Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at sixsecondstories.com. Hey, quick question. You know how sometimes you want to do something and you feel like you could do something, you feel like it's inside of you and you want to get it out, but then... That pesky little brain of yours gets in the damn way. The story that you tell yourself that no one else has told you, society hasn't told you, you're telling yourself, limits you from pursuing that passion, from building that project, from chasing that dream. What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab. This is episode 118. And this conversation 
is one of my favorite conversations to have. I love talking about limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome and the stories that we tell ourselves because this is something I've struggled with my whole life and career, and I still struggle with it. And the thing is, it, 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 it's not like we can completely eliminate or eradicate these things. We just have to understand how to recognize them and establish better habits. Today, my guest is Jocelyn Brady, a brain coach, a certified brain coach from the Neuro Leadership Institute. But listen... This is not like Jocelyn is a play scientist, a multi-passionate, like multi-hyphenate. She is involved in a lot of different things and has a lot of different interests. And that's another thing that we talk about because that's something that I, I share with her as well. Now, this is the thing. When we start talking about neuroscience and brain chemistry and the things that are actually going on in the brain, you feel like you might, you might get too dense and you might lose people. But man... These conversations are often the most heartfelt and emotional because it's all tied together. But but we have the proof and the science now that shows what's actually going on. And it's not just like, hey, just start thinking better, right? There are actual, you know, habits that you can change. And we talk about how to do that, the little stimuli that can help your brain make these switches. We talk about how having coaches, someone to look at your situation objectively can help you see the things that you can't and make those switch, have those triggers in your brain that help you make those switches so that you can pursue these projects that you want to pursue. Play, she's a play scientist. We talk about how play stimulates the body but also stimulates the brain this is this is all proven and all science and we talk all about that today i've never met somebody that covers so much ground and it was really really interesting to talk to her because i felt very connected in terms of our stories and our paths and our interests uh, I will say, though, she's pursued a lot more of them professionally than I have. Like, I'm very envious of what she's done because I would love to go to school for these things. And I would love to learn uh, these things officially that she's learned. I read all about them, so I am learning about them. But she has uh, multiple certifications in all of these uh, topics. And I really love the way she ties them all into her unique brand. Jocelyn says that your brain has a magical power to influence everything that you think, do, feel, experience, and create. And she helps people tap into that and rewrite your brain stories. Now, this is what she calls it, that story in the back of your head, whatever that might be. I tend to call them limiting beliefs or the story that we tell ourselves. This could be imposter syndrome or any of these things that we have that block us. And she helps you tap into that, recognize the bad habits that you're doing or the things that are triggering that. Just even recognizing that you're telling yourself a story is half the battle, I would argue. And she helps you rewrite those brain stories. And then, and only then, once you do, you can get back onto the path of creating the work that you're passionate about bringing to the world. This is the thing. Most of us go off and just start creating stuff or trying to start our business, and we haven't done this part yet. And we might get be able to get through a few years, but eventually <laughs> there will be a reckoning, my friends. It will come back to haunt you. It will block you at some point because you haven't done this work first. And so I'm so grateful that I had a chance to really dive deep. And we, you know, I, I feel like I say this every week, but I got emotional again because we really tap into real things that you are experiencing. And she said several gems 
that really resonated with me. I remember like tweeting it or making a TikTok video about some of the things she said immediately after the podcast, because this is so much, uh, this is the root cause of so much of our struggles, our things that are going on inside of our brain that we're we aren't even aware of. And so Jocelyn helps make you aware of that. This is my conversation with Jocelyn Brady, certified brain coach, and I hope that you love it. So the thing that caught my eye was all the neuroscience embedded in what you do, because that's the kind of part that like about the storytelling world that really... I don't know, sets my inner nerd <laughs> ablaze. Like, I love that part of it. And that seems to be like heavy in, in the way you kind of approach it. So I want to learn more about that. I mean, I know the psychology and the neuroscience behind storytelling, but it, but you really seem to know it. In fact, maybe you have studied this. So like, I'm here to learn from you. But tell me, let's start like this. Tell like, what is the part or the pieces or parts of what you do that really like lights your heart on fire? Or your brain. Ooh, my heart and brain <laughs> and train. Um, what lights? You know, the thing I love doing most is I love working one on one with people uh, yeah. on on something they're really excited to create, but have been scared to put out there, or like uh -huh. you know, kind of I'm just like just on that threshold, and then watching them. <laughs> sounds so corny saying it out in words and space, but like watching them blossom and do the thing and feel really good about it. Or, you know, having better tools to, to handle the, the self trash talk and the things that our brains can be very good at doing. Um, yeah, that that's what lights me up the most. I love it. See, this is what I was talking about. I knew that we would align really quickly. Um, cause mine is very similar when, and God knows I'm still a work in progress, but um, when I have these moments of clarity or like these little mini epiphanies or bigger epiphanies, like that's the best feeling, right? When you finally unlock something. And so I agree, like I just started working with people one-on-one -on -one pretty recently. It was the pandemic that was kind of the catalyst because I wasn't out speaking so much in bigger events. And so I was like, you know, I've always kind of wanted to do coaching work. So I started offering that for free for those first couple of months, you know, because I knew a lot of people that, you know, money was a barrier and it just, you know, a lot of people took advantage of that. And then I just got really excited about it. But when I see that light bulb go off in their minds, it's very similar to what you're saying, not exactly the same, but like, that's what gets me is just because I've been there and I'm still there and it's a great feeling. But when I see that in someone else, it just, oof, that really fulfills me. What are some of the most common things you said, you know, what the things that are like holding them back? And obviously people are all different and their stories are different, but I know a lot of the common threads that, that we struggle against are, are the same. So what are like a handful of those things that you see time and time again that are barriers for people? Yeah, uh, well, I like to call them your BS, your brain stories, which can be helpful or less helpful. Um, and uh, I mean, the whole, the classic, the imposter syndrome, the questioning, the self-doubt, the who am I to do this? Uh, I'll never be good enough to try this. Uh, this is impractical. Um, I got this line from Hillary Weiss. I use it all the time, but sacrificing themselves at the altar of practicality. Um, mm. So good, right? She's yes. a former copywriter. Can you tell? Say it also again. My, uh, uh, sacrificing yourself at the altar of practicality. <laughs> 
yeah. So this is why I hired her as my positioning coach a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. And it's just that the kind of like the, the triggers as well, like getting if people who are um, currently employed in a place that's really misaligned, they mm. will have a lot of hot buttons and it's like not knowing how to handle those and getting really worked up and, and lost in, um, you know, just like trash thinking. It's not really nice to call it trash thinking, but I'm gonna, it's going into the sewer, the swamp of sadness <laughs> and despair and everyone's out to get you and all that kind of um, paranoia, lack of self-compassion is really, I think the, the crux of it, not being kind to yourself and your own, you know, supporter. Mm. It's so true. And, and I, you know, a lot of the work when I'm getting down and deep with people is, is really therapeutic and we're, you know, we're kind of skirting those, that line right now. Like the stuff that we're talking about is, is something that we all can kind of resonate with. What's so let's back up a little bit. What's your actual experience? Like why is the brain such a big part of your platform and your brand? Like how did, how did we get there? So a few things. The first is um, when I was uh, in high school, I had to, this is the, the real origin story when I first saw a real brain. So I was in high school, project assignment, dissect fetal pig, pull out organs, examine organs, label, talk about them. Yeah. Brain was not on the list. And I was like, that's crazy. We have this animal here yeah. somebody it died for us so let's make the most of it and uh you're asking us to look at all of these parts but not the part powering all the parts mm. um and that and that was like this is where our thoughts come from and imagination and and the, the 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 activity of even dissecting this thing came from that part of us so i had to see it and i did i cracked it open nobody else in class did that it was the the soul mad scientist did you person. have to ask the like the teacher for that or did you just do it i don't recall asking um, <laughs> I, I don't think yes, I, for I forgiveness think, exactly yeah i just started doing it i think and it was like nobody else wanted to do that they were all like okay um let's go out you know i grew up in hawaii too so it's like let's get outside go surfing whatever yeah um i'm like no let's ingest more formaldehyde see brains um so that was way back in the day and I hadn't made connections yet. Right. What, how is going to infuse this in my work? I loved storytelling. I loved writing and I loved, I was really curious and wanted to see how things worked. So you were writing as a kid. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you remember when you, when you saw the brain, any thoughts that you had or, or reactions, responses? I felt like Gollum getting his treasure. <laughs> 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 Like this is this little power. This I have this like in the palm of my hands is one of the most powerful, interesting to me things that creates or contributes to creating life and consciousness and all this stuff we probably will never really understand. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? Like this thing you can endlessly discover. Um, yeah, and it wasn't until uh, well. It was later my dad had a stroke when I was in my early 20s mm -hmm. and that really turned me on to the work of like Jill Bolt Taylor I saw her my stroke of insight talk I read her book um looking and then all and then I was like oh neuroscience there's this whole world of people who this is this is what they do what 
and Jill Bolt Taylor in particular, because she had written about her experience having a stroke. Mm. Um, so it was really uh, like connective tissue for me. And, um, and when that was happening to my dad, he had, he had lost his ability to speak and he was a storyteller and a writer and constantly making jokes and constantly telling stories and saying, you know, I'll tell you the best part when you're older. So I was like, oh, I need to get the rest of those stories out of his brain. Um, and I wanted to learn everything I possibly could about how is it possible that this person can comprehend and he has, you could see that he wants to express, but something is awry mm -hmm. in his brain and mm. what can be done. And that's when I learned about neuroplasticity and you can, the brain changes throughout your entire life and it can make new connections uh, in ways that you might not have imagined or thought of before. So he did regain his ability to speak. Nice. Yeah. But it, that still though, wasn't when th these are like major moments in, in my past, but it wasn't really until I was training um, people in corporate on mostly on storytelling, like how to, how to adopt a playful brand voice, how to express yourself, how to tell stories. And I kept sneaking more and more brain science, neuroscience. in. it's like, but did you know, here's what happens when you're telling a story, like, look at the yeah. hippocampus, look at these things, look at it lighting up. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, whatever, sell the brand. Um, and I, I got more and more fascinated by like this, this is way more exciting to me and how your brain is learning to interpret and express uh, and connect with other brains through language and stories. Mm -hmm. What are the stories you're telling yourself and how does that impact everything, your actions, your behaviors, the way you talk and interact with people. So did you, did you, before you started working in that capacity, helping brands with their stories, did you go, did you study, like, did you go to school for any, for this, for neuroscience or for anything in that space? Or was this I, just well, like, out? <laughs> yeah, I was one of those, um, in college, it took me seven years to get my undergraduate because I was going to be an astronaut, a marine yeah. biologist, and <laughs> oh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I did dabble in all of those until I got my English degree. And then I went to grad school, uh, got my MFA in creative nonfiction writing because mm -hmm. I was interested in so many things, but I, I had a hard time focusing. And I thought, well, at least with creative nonfiction writing, it's like I get to explore all of this stuff and then capture the stories and share them. Um, but I didn't get, I thought about going back to school for neuroscience when, as I was sneaking in more of these brain facts into, into these story slides and such, mm -hmm. but, um, it's like, I'm not going back to grad school. I just got out of that. I know. I'm not taking out that loan. Uh, yeah. I'm not you know, managing a no. business full time. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Um, no, cause so I, I, I share that desire too, in the back of my head, like, ah, oh, that'd be really cool to really get that. But it's also, yeah, time. yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe in this life, maybe some maybe when I'm a a cat. I don't, I don't know, whatever you, whatever you do next. So with, with um, the, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. So it's neural leadership Institute is where I got uh, certified in brain coaching. So that was a really good primer on this stuff. It wasn't like, you know, a four-year neuroscience program or apparently two years, if you go to the UK, Okay. Two, three years. So, and that's just a, like a program you can take for certification and, and, and incorporate a little bit more of that into the work that you do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. So within with the creative nonfiction, um, what's the connective piece that then got you to working with brands in that capacity? Were you in, were you in marketing or what were you um, doing with those businesses? Why are you laughing? 
Yeah, no, it's just like there's all these little avenues I'm thinking of in my life that led to these. I I love it. I mean, that's, that's, that's what, one of the reasons why I responded to you, but like a lot of the things you're talking about, I, I, uh, sound very familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Being interested in so many things and having a hard time. It's beautiful and brutal at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Um, so, so I started my MFA program in 2007, 2008, which was the same year I started scribe my company knowing nothing, knowing how to do nothing, but I knew how to write. And that was my goal. I will make money. I will pay rent writing. And, you know, meanwhile, my mom will hate me for saying this, but she's like, can you just get a job at Starbucks and like get benefits and security? Like security is an illusion, mom. I'm writer. Um, so I realized that copywriting was more um, fruitful for paying rent than mm-hmm. I, you know, as a journalist intern and did a little bit of that. Um, but it wasn't satisfying the writing itch or the money itch at the same time. So I found copywriting and I was like, oh, wow, this is like mini poetry, but it's designed to sell. Let's play with this for a while. And that just kept growing. So I was writing from writing case studies for Microsoft to then all of a sudden I'm consulting with Nokia. And then the, the people from Nokia go on to other companies and I start working as a consultant with those other companies and on and on it grows to these like huge multi-billion international corporations, which I didn't forecast. That's wild. What, what year did you start your company again? 2008. That's incredible. Um, all right. So I just wanted to lay a little bit of that, like kind of foundation so I can understand like what, what, what got us here, but I want to go, I mean, I want to spend most of our, our time in, in what you call the brain stories. Well, first of all, define like, what's a brain coach? Brain coach. Yeah. <laughs> the Neuro Leadership Institute, you ha- you can call it brain coach, brain-based coaching or a results-based coach. They use both terms when you're, you get accredited through them mm-hmm. or certified through them. Um, and it's just basically helping people help people have a better relationship with their thinking. That's ultimately what it is. And what I like to call the brain stories, just the things that you're telling yourself that you might not even be aware of. So it's bringing those to the surface. Mm-hmm. It, at the same time, it's nothing, it's not, I was going to say it's not brain science, but sometimes it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's not like most coaching is, it's not very different from most coaching. You're, mm-hmm. you're helping people figure out, okay, let's go for an aspiration or a goal. It's kind of like give, find the compass, follow that actions, accountability. And then while we're going through that, it's like, what are the stories that are coming up? Okay. What, when, whether you accomplished this or didn't, mm-hmm. what is your brain saying? And that's the thing that we really want to work through because that can influence your thinking for the rest of your life. No joke. Absolutely. So what's this trash talk, self trash mm-hmm. talk, which I agree. I think that's perfect. to call it. And you said these stories, these stories that we're telling ourselves, right? What's actually going on in the brain when you're having that kind of negative self-talk? Ooh, that's a good question. So here's the first thing that comes to mind is my dad always used to say this. I've forgotten more than I'll ever know. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm currently working on this video about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and how, you know, that's t- the, the, those narratives around, I don't belong here. Someone's going to find me out. Ooh, I don't deserve the things I have. Um, I just got lucky, et cetera, discounting. Um, 
and I guess I'm bringing all this up because I feel like the, the point of an imposter, the imposter syndrome kind of crux of that is everybody, or as Jordan Peterson says, everybody who's not a narcissist feels this at some point because the real imposters are, are saying that they're experts and they know everything and mm -hmm. they don't, you know, they want to, they want to run that, uh, to rug you. Um, and right. So I'm getting back to the question of what's going on in your brain. And I'm thinking about, you know, I study all this stuff and then I quickly forget, or I remember the things that, that are helpful in the moment. But I mean, the, the worst things that are happening, you're creating habits. So you're creating neural connections and neural pathways. And the more you are practicing those neural pathways and connections, the stronger they get, the more automatic they get. So that in, um, currently also becoming tiny habits certified dear reader there, I'm holding up a book mm -hmm. and he, BJ Fogg, behavior scientist talks about this spectrum of automaticity. So on one end, you have a habit, you're it's automatic, fully automatic. And on the other end, you have decisions, right? So you have to, you're spending a lot of cognitive power making a decision. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. And you only have so much energy in your brain uh, a day, right? So it's getting you out of those neural networks that are causing um, cortisol to, to jump up and blood pressure to increase and pupils to dilate because you've created a habit of getting triggered when someone cuts you off in traffic. Yeah. Or when someone tells you, you messed up on that email or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we probably revert back to those habits and patterns that we've established. that are kind of like safe spaces for us. Right. Possibly. Exactly. Yeah. The yeah, brain doesn't that, want to change. It's like, this is the easy thing. Right. This keeps, you're not dead yet. So let's keep doing that. Even right, if it's right. painful. But the way forward, especially when you're trying to do something you haven't done before is to break those patterns. So it's really challenging, right? Yeah. To create new ones. Yeah. No. It's uh. Yeah. Although this was an insight I just got yesterday from, from this, from BJ Fogg. Um, he's like, you know, there's all this stuff about how many, how much time it takes to make a habit, 27 mm -hmm. days, yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever. That's all BS. Um, it can take, it can happen immediately. Mm. And as an example, he uses Uber, right? So the first time I use the, the Uber app, I'm like, I don't, I mean, I'm used to using a taxi and calling. I kind of know that that's my habit. So I open this app, I guess I'll try it. And then the car shows up and it's great. And there's water and they're treating you like VIP. And you, all you did was click a button and they picked you up and they dropped you off and you didn't have to get out your credit card or cash or anything. Wow. Great experience. So the next time I need a ride immediately, I'll think of Uber and I'll just do it. So that's a habit formed once because you had such a strong, positive emotional reaction. So that's the other thing. And if your brain is having, is having like a surge of dopamine and endorphins and it, it's going to want to do that thing again. I love that. So what, when you were kind of describing yourself and there's a lot of different names for this, I have a friend, um, Melissa Casera, who called it multi-passionitis, <laughs> but multi-passionate, you know, anybody that's kind of interested in a lot of things. Um, which it sounds like you are and you have been, I am too. And I know the struggles and empathize with those a lot. And, and I'm just, I'm going to make the assumption that a lot of the people that you work with, at least a lot of the people that I work with have that going on, or at least a, a good amount of them. 
And what I've learned, and this is a like a constant struggle. I'm I'm better at it, but not great at it. I still struggle with it. But what I've learned is, you know, to try to find the alignment between these things, right? Otherwise, I'm just going to spin spin in circles. I'm going to go to this thing to that thing, you know, and daily on the micro, and then yearly and beyond on the macro. Like really not moving forward on on any of them in particular. So my question is, and this can be your personal experience or how you've helped people, what's your way of, of helping people or helping yourself find that alignment when you do have a lot of things that are kind of pulling you in different ways? Like you said, you went seven years for undergrad, but, but because not because you weren't capable, because you changed majors multiple times, you didn't really know what you wanted to do. I find myself still in that situation sometimes of like not knowing, well, what am I going to focus on this year? And there's like 12 possibilities. You know, <laughs> I mean, some people have the other problem where they don't know what in the world they want to do because they have zero possibilities or at least, you know, in their mind, they don't. But but mine's right. the other way around. So, like, how do you get through that? Yeah, that like that's like shiny object syndrome. Sure. Ooh, new fun thing over here, um, yeah. especially when things are challenging on the thing that you're working on or you're getting <laughs> right. resistance. It's like, oh, well, I had this other idea that's probably better. <laughs> um yeah, I think, how do I deal with it? I mean, I get a coach because I see how helpful that is. It's just, there's nothing better than being able to hear stuff reflected back at you in a way that you actually can hear when you're saying it so much to yourself, you don't always notice it or go mm -hmm. or, or have that insight. Like, oh, that's, that's what I really want. No, that's not helpful. Um, and going back to one of the things I do a lot is um, I think about deathbed me. So I talk about deathbed you a lot and that's okay. You're on your deathbed. Yep. What is the thing that that person is so proud of you for doing, for following through on, for creating, experiencing that will get you really close to, you know, and it might be very simple. Like I, I was there for my friends. Um, I threw birthday parties. I went surfing. I uh, wrote my book. Mm -hmm. So that can help be really clarifying. Um, yeah. I just had that conversation with my wife yesterday. <laughs> like, Really? Yeah. yeah. When thinking of like the things that I want to do and, or like the flip, the negative version of that, the flip side of that version of like, you know, what would you regret not do, you know, not having done when you're in that same yep. situation. It was between something that I'm currently doing and pretty good at and enjoy. But it's not that thing, right? It's not that thing that if I'm a deathbed me, that I'm like, that's what I wanted to do and I'm happy with it. There is this other thing that I'm like, if I don't do that and I reach deathbed me, I'm gonna, that's, I'm not gonna be happy with that. Right. And that kind of tells you what, you know, what, what you should follow. Yeah. And to, to things that you, just to even give it a shot, you know, right. I worked with someone who was, you know, they really wanted to make a podcast and for a couple of years, and just a friend of mine and I had this conversation with him and he um, basically, he and he's like, can I use you as my first interview? He was like, absolutely. Yes. If that helps you do it. Fuck yes. Um, so I don't know what the rules of swearing. No rules. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah. And he did it and then he recorded another one and he released it. And so it's like, even it, no matter what happens from there, maybe you decide you don't like podcasting. Maybe you did two episodes and you you feel good. You did it. You're done. You want to go in another direction or you keep going. But the point is you, you gave it a shot. 
you like followed through on the thing that you've been thinking about, you've been wanting to do. And now that that deathbed you is like, Hey, you, if you died tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, I'm so glad I tried that thing that has been mm -hmm. in my mind for a long time. Yeah. It's the unknown, right? That's, that's the worst. If you tried and failed or tried and found out that it wasn't for you or not what you thought it was, that it was going to be, that's okay. But if you reach deathbed you and you like, you don't, you have no clue because you never even tried. That's a, that's a tougher pill to swallow. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have Ooh. to be that you have to have this storybook successful ending that you just went down that road. You like live that story a little bit. Right. Exactly. And that's like the, one of my go-to references is the top five regrets of the dying. Mm -hmm. And the top regret is I wish I had lived a life that was true to me mm. and not what other people expected. Oh, it's that and people wanting to spend more time with their friends and people they loved and more silliness and play in their lives. And these are all things I think about all of those things a lot. It's like, make sure you stay in contact with the people who are important to you. Think about them, um, you know, send little gifts and funny notes and even spending like 30 seconds of like, Hey, you know, I haven't thought of this person in a long time and I'm just going to think of them and practice a little moment of gratitude. Like they really brought a lot of joy to my life. And that'll, that's also helpful for your brain, by the way. Um, well, yeah, yeah, play. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause that's a part of the, of the work that you do too. So what role does play play in our lives, in our stories? And what are we missing when we neglect it? Yeah. It's, I mean, the, Dr. Stuart Brown, one of my heroes, is like the play is the stir that the stick that stirs the drink. It's like the vital essence of life. It is absolutely essential that we play from birth to death. And if he said, if we are to have any hope of getting along as human beings, as human species, we absolutely learn, have to learn how to play pretty much every day. And it doesn't have to be some huge thing. It's just, I think of it as also allowing silliness in your life, just like, like weird little movements, whatever, playing, run around with your cat or your dog, um, make a doodle, uh, you know, go like jump in a puddle outside. It could be just such a simple thing, but remembering that sense of playfulness you had as a kid, um, if we don't do that, I think we start to, we get really brittle and mm. atrophy. And I mean, play is one of the brain's most um, effective ways of learning. It's like, it's playing, so it's figuring things out and it's not afraid of making mistakes, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's free flow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's how you really learn anything, right? It's just like, there's, uh, so I play soccer and one of the accounts that I follow this just has like training drills and things like that. They're like, sometimes I just give myself like, you know, put two minutes on the clock and then just go and just get, you know, just see how I move with the ball, just run, just don't stop for two minutes and just see. And a lot of ways that, you know, instead of doing the little like up and back drill, up and back drill for 30 seconds, you know, where it's really contrived just set up some cones and just kind of just freely dribble around it. Cause that's much more indicative of what a game will be like. Yeah. versus you know being in this drill where there's seven cones in a perfect line like that doesn't happen in a game right right and you don't zigzag in between you, you know what i mean and i just thought that was like that's such a good point and of course there was you know people in the comments that were like ah no the drills are it's, it takes you need both you know I, I i get it but i thought that was really interesting when he said that and um a while back i was i made a film about 
this freestyle version of calisthenics, like bodyweight exercises. And it became this culture, then it became a sport. And I went around the world and kind of told the story of this, this subculture. And, you know, the things they did with their bodies, these men and women were incredible, like the tricks, because this, this is like flipping over the bars and catching on this. It's almost like parkour. Um, but really what, what was happening when people would see that, they'd think it was like, oh, I can't do that. You must be a super athlete to do that. And it's not because we took so many people that had never done it because it's just your own body weight. So like you can do it. You just have to train it. But it also was a form of play. It was freestyle. And the thing is why people stop in the physical aspect, why, you know, when people stop doing these things and that's why they can't pick them back up. If you never stop doing like a backflip, for example, now I'm not saying you'll be 90 and doing a backflip, but at 40, you still can. If you don't, if you, if you don't stop doing it, it's those people that stop at 12 or 15 or 17 climbing a tree, whatever, these things that are just body weight. I'm not talking about bench pressing 300 pounds, but things, your, right. your own body weight movement. That's what we saw. And what we learned is that if you don't stop, it stays with you. It stays with you. But as soon as you stop, it atrophies, which is the word that you use. And that applies so much to creativity as well. And I'm glad we kind of landed on that because I work with a yeah. lot of people on that too. It's the same thing. And so, yeah, if you, if you stop, it will stop and it's really hard to regain it back. Yeah. And, and think it the creativity thing, Matt, like the way that so many people have talked about this, but I can't, I've, it's, I feel viscerally of, offended by how school systems, <sighs> at least in the West, it's what I'm familiar with. Right. Um, and then the corporate world, like we designed education to on purpose shut down people's questioning and curiosity and creativity and trying things because we needed people who would answer and do the correct thing, you know, as defined by the overlords. What a, what a awful thing that we do to ourselves with that yeah. system. I'm sure, you know, you know, Seth Godin, Mm -hmm. the marketing right marketer writer uh well you know, he often talks about is it, like it's derived or our system straight from like the industrial revolution era right this i mean yeah. the way it's even structured is like factory where like we're in a line and caught rows and columns and it's like to, in the style that we're talking about and the way people learn like why aren't those desks in a circle <laughs> like where we can all see each other but they're lined up like an assembly line yeah or outside <laughs> right, right and and our information is, is delivered in the same manner right it's like i send it you send it back and that's it like right yeah, you remember the fail. vocabulary word of the keywords definition and we've moved on you've learned about you know uh metamorphosis or whatever right and it's like no the best way to teach you about metamorphosis is to show you a, a, a butterfly i mean a, a caterpillar coming out of a cocoon like right like yeah but but like go I, raise go raise a caterpillar and then yeah, then you yeah. can tell a story about tadpoles you can go get yeah. a tadpole in any ditch and keep it in the class and see it i know science teachers do this i'm just saying like you know what i'm saying but it but i when yeah. he said that point about the industrial revolution with you know early 1900s when we when we established our current system and we're still in it and the world has obviously, I mean, it's silly for me to even have to say that it has drastically changed in, in that amount of time, but yeah, that, I can't ever shake that. Um, and, and you're saying the, the, the same kind of thing. And you think about that, like, why are we, why am I looking at the back of somebody's head and trying to learn? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and just... how do we, that's like the, I think the thing that's frustrating is it's so difficult to think about how do we, what do we start? It feels like such a big problem to solve and 
we're, we're like facing this giant ship that goes so slow and it's like, Hey guys, keep up. Like things are moving fast and that is not keeping up at all. Mm -mm -mm. So before we leave, I want to get to, you know, the people that you help, I'm not sure if you said it here. I mean, I know your, your, your content that you know, people that, that, that have something inside of them. You said at the beginning of the conversation that they want to get out, that they, they want to accomplish. They want to achieve one of those things that deathbed them would be upset if they didn't pursue. Right. Where do they start? Oh, um, I know it's a big question, but I mean, you know, like that person's like, I want to write a book. I want to be a music, whatever, you know? Yeah. I want to do this thing. Like, let's get tactical. Yeah. Because, you, mean, you know, you, you can always say, like, just take action. But it's like, but what does that mean? You know? Right. I think if you if you feel very clear on that thing, like it's a tangible, like that's a that's a great one. Right. I want to write a book. I want to open an art gallery. It's like a, a thing you have clearly defined for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think one of the first exercises that might is might be helpful is just imagining it. Imagining it existing. What, is, what does it look like? What's happening as a result? Um, who's interacting with it? Who's reading it? Who's going to the festivals? Um, what does it do for your life? So it's like just connecting with the emotional um, pull because that's what like, emotions drive decisions, period. Emotions shape behaviors and habits. They have an outstanding you know, an oversized effect, right? So connecting with that. If you're feeling, you know, wobbly and lost, it's like, okay, well, like now you, you did something. Now congratulate yourself immediately for doing that action. You imagined it. That is awesome. Give yourself a little dopamine hit. Encourage yourself by encouraging yourself and training your brain to say, every time I make a step towards this thing, I will reward myself uh, internally, right. I'll give myself a little, like, yeah, I did it. Or phone a friend, whatever it is. It makes you feel good. What about externally? What about a little chocolate or something? The, I think that I'm not an expert on, on that, but I think part of what makes habit formation successful is you are creating the capability to, to do this within you're creating mm. your own system of making your brain go give you those boosts of happy neurochemicals, right? Mm -hmm. The, it, but if you're relying on an external substance, I think that might get in the way of that becoming, you're no longer like intrinsically motivated as they say, you're right. now looking for the external reward, you're chasing a carrot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what gets us stuck in not doing the thing is we can end up kind of chasing a carrot and you have to find the reward within yourself, or it's, it's not going to matter to you. You're not going to keep wanting to do it. And then, yeah, tiny, make it freaking so so stupid small if it's writing a book right if you don't do that exercise you just write one word literally one word or a letter or just open a document or put a notebook on your table just start with the tiniest thing and celebrate that immediately if you can see if you can get that into a, a habit so one day you're just like putting the note pad on the table and you're like, I did it. <laughs> this feels so silly because it's so small, but I did it. You're wiring in that positive neurochemistry and behavior. Maybe the next time you open it up and you click your pen 
uh, yay, I did it. And then it can <laughs> progress from there. Right. Yeah. But it's just, again, getting, make it like this tiny, tiny, tiny little habit. So it's like, it becomes as natural as brushing your teeth. And then now you're flossing and now your dentist is uh, unhappy because you're not making him rich, but right. <laughs> or her. <laughs> so what if you're stuck and the goal isn't so tangible. Like I know I, I got clarity now. I want to write a book about this. What if it's like, oh, I hate my job and I know I'm, I want to do something different. I know there's something within me, but I don't exactly know what that looks like or what that is. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, reflecting on where you found flow in your past, you can think <laughs> about what what is kid, what is little you wish that you were doing now? If you can't think of, if the deathbed you feels too daunting, what is little you? What would they want you to be doing? What are they sad that you're not doing now? What do they want you to do more of? Um, what did you get into flow in in the past? Maybe it was, um, you know, set design or like uh, helping your mom make stew mm. or just find these little moments. They might not make sense to you yet, but just start to see where you lit up you might see some patterns. And one of the best um, pieces of advice I got was with this business strategist who said, I was feeling really stuck. And like, it was before I released myself as a brain coach, it was, I, I hid this for a few years before um, being public about it and doing this full time. But um, she said, go spend a weekend alone in nature or somewhere quiet, no devices, bring a notepad on the first day, do nothing or things like get in a hot tub or take a bath or read a book that is very relaxing. Not, mm -hmm. not one of your nonfictions, Jocelyn, you're going to go into brain science. No, <laughs> this is a rest day. And it's, that was so hard for me to yeah. do nothing. And by the end of that day, I was like, Oh, I feel good. And the second day start to write the words that are coming up, like the feelings that you want to have and that like the words that light you up. So mine was play over and over again. I wrote the word play. I was looking through this, like creativity and the play, really play cool. for creativity. So I think those are really helpful clarifying. I mean, they're not going to solve your problem, but you're, you're taking that step and doing something right. that feel really good. No, oh, I love that. I think that's a great tip. Um, what are some what are some of the new tools that you found like in the past year or so that help you do your job more effectively? Ooh. Um, and it so can I, be, go ahead, sir. Yeah. It can be what? Like it doesn't have to be an actual like tangible tool it can also be like th something you learned, but that have helped you help people the way that you do. Yeah, that is a good question. I, I, I just, I have this browser window open. Um, hmm for Quenza, very curious about it because mm -hmm. you can like create, um, kind of curriculum and curriculum makes it sound drier than it's set up. So you set up like custom pathways for clients. Like here's an exercise for this. And here's an exercise for this, which is something I do naturally, but it's very manual. You know, I'll be like, Oh, you're, um, you're working through kind of a thinking trap. Here's an um, exercise to, to reframe that. Interesting. Yeah, so kind of can craft set up your yeah. craft routes. your care. That one online mm -hmm, tool for so. coaches. Yeah, that yeah. one's pretty 
Quinza is for busy practitioners who want to be of maximum value to their own clients by engaging them in an automated way. Okay. So that's interesting. Cause I really like the, uh, it's the one-to-one interactions, conversations that I enjoy, but that might be really helpful. Um, yeah. I'm glad. Shoot. That's a tip that I'm glad to have gotten today. I appreciate that. Yeah. I want to check that out. Um, what do you got going on this year? Anything that you're really excited about? Anything big that you're working on? Yeah, a couple of things. So I am probably a lot waiting. of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't say who it is yet, but there's a there's a large network who commissioned us to a couple writers to write podcast episodes about badass women who've made yeah. really cool things happen. Um I believe all the episodes are written. We're just in the like waiting for copyright, IP, legal, that 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 sign off. So I'm hoping that comes out in a couple months. Um, that's super exciting. I'm also working with a, comp- a large company on a behavior change program through Habits. So that's really exciting. It is exciting. <clears throat> um, and slowly working on my own book, which I have a book coach for because I'm very familiar with my own brain stories around <laughs> me. I can't do it. <laughs> so, Before we go, because uh, we've talked about it a lot in different uh, in different you know, compartments, I guess. Um, but you've mentioned multiple coaches that you had like. This is also a big question, but like sum up the benefit of working with a coach. Cause I know there's a lot of people out there, friends of mine for, for sure know that flirt with it. They think about it, but something's holding them back. So like, and I, and I know everybody's different and things work for them different, different ways, but what's the value, the, the value of having a coach. Forward momentum is the thing that came up first clarity, accountability. Hmm. Um, I also think it was so scary. Now I, I've run a business for quite a few years. So I got used to, um, difficult, like stressful challenges with cash flow and watching the different, you know, we have to wait for this to come in and that to go out and paying out contractors and all of that. So I did have some level of tolerance for that, but still investing any amount in a coach felt like what's the word, um, self-indulgent, which I think is a testament to how a lot of us feel like we are lacking the, the self-compassion and they'll just go like, I'm investing in myself and my own mind and my own direction and my own creativity and my own brand. And this matters. So, uh, it's all, all of that's giving you that the confidence and reassurance that you're doing what you believe in, you know, but, but with some kind of tangible help. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. As you were saying that, I was thinking like, we don't ever question, well, we might question the, the sticker, you know, uh, pri- you know, price, but like, if you need a new computer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for your business or a camera in my situation or whatever, like you, you don't really question that you question if you can spend it right now. Sure. But like the act of purchasing that is, yeah, I need it. Right. But, yeah. but so often we struggle with that. Like, do I need this coach? Like, you know, w- with, with investing in ourselves. And I think that's a good point that, that you made, but, but it's funny. It's not funny, but like, it's interesting to watch how like resistant we can be to something like that. Whereas all other big expenses, which is why I say cameras and, and computers, like, we'll just like put it on a credit card and we go. Cause we know we need it to, to run our business. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
not a question with those tools and they're it's like less personal too it's like uh, equipment. right yeah we don't that's the thing we don't have to get a, yeah our own brain stories involved with that um it's funny i i really am interested in the podcast uh when you know and learning more about that it's it was uh coincidental because i like before we hopped on our conversation today i just recorded a tiktok about a uh, a badass woman who i'm doing a film on right now who's a Ooh. cancer patient and uh, a ferrari race car driver and she's like middle age she's like 60 or or 65 you know she's older um and that's like just the tip of the iceberg for her story and she's just so awesome so i literally just like recorded a video just like telling people about it because i was like i just spent like the weekend with her in daytona and she is just a badass and then you need to hear about her so i immediately perked up project yeah Yeah. that it was awesome it was awesome and i like if there's a season two with this with this show or whatever that you were alluding to uh i would totally throw that that person's name in in the hat uh, if, if there were, I don't know if people were accepting pitches, but she was awesome. And I think sharing those stories of those types of people are, that's what I love to do. You know? Yeah. I think it's a really cool project you're working on. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Awesome. Well, thanks for stopping by. This was a pleasure. And I, 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 uh, I feel like all of these topics, whether it's like the neuroscience, the play or any of them, like we could have our own show on, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm excited to learn a little bit from you. I appreciate you spending some time with it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.